Welcome to Culture Dumps, everybody. I am Parks Miller, joined by Ryan Lichten. Hello. And we are, we're back. We're dumping. And we, <laughs> as always, as always, just staying on the grind. Uh, I appreciate Ryan. I feel like Ryan's just, he's on it, man. And then I'm the, I'm the freaking. Because I'm not, I'm space. not employed. Like, <laughs> th- like this, I, yeah. <laughs> this is my job. Like, you which did, reminds me, yeah. uh, I don't want to. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, I don't want, I don't want to <laughs> say it at the end of the episode this time. So I'll say it right at the top, by the way. Yes. Unemployed. So, uh, for exclusive podcast 99 and culture dumps materials, please sign up to patreoncom slash culture dumps. This particular episode, we are sort of going to have this Patreon adjacent episode coming out a couple days afterwards. Yeah. I would say it's adjacent. So. Um, but today, well, the reason, yeah, ahead, the reason why it. I say it is because, yeah, today we're talking about the, it's the year, it's the 1988 best hard rock slash metal performance Grammy, the best Grammy for that. And it was the first year that this category was introduced. So the Patreon happens to involve a lot of other music from the late eighties. And that's why it's kind of like a bonus episode. So if you like this deep dive in this kind of really sort of un- infertile period of music, then you'll really enjoy the Patreon episode in which we dig into more uh, yes. hairy man rock, butt rock, hairy as we man call it. rock, so, hairy man rock. Yes. So there's going to be a lot of hair in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Yes, the best hard rock slash metal performance, vocal or instrumental, to be, you know, uh, literal with it and to be complete. And yes, it was a 1988 category. This award ceremony, though, took place in 1989. And. Mm-hmm. This was the very first time that the Grammys recognized hard or heavy music on its own. It wasn't locked like lumped in with rock or anything else. It was given its own recognition. But why is this particular year in this particular category a dump? Well, it's a dump because the Grammys are still known as the top tier award show for musical achievement. But while most avid fans or music fans have denounced the awards as being another bigwig pay to play type situation that really doesn't award musical prowess as much as it does popularity, it is still a huge deal to win or even be nominated for a Grammy. And plenty of people say it has become superficial bullshit. You know, and signs of incompetence have been visible for a very long time. It is superficial bullshit, or but, out it's of not, touch, but that's but that's not new. Yeah, and that's that's, that's not yeah. new. You know what I mean? People like, and there's other reasons. Like I know, like the weekend recently denounced the Grammys, and it had a lot more to do with the you know the types of people that are being nominated. Representation, yeah, representation right. mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But you know, as far as music goes, yeah, like the cool indie rock kid that only likes stuff before it's cool. There's nothing for you at the Grammys, and with a lot of metalheads, there's nothing for you either. But in 1988 slash 1989, they tried to change that by introducing a new category. Best hard rock slash metal performance, vocal or instrumental. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons why they, they brought it in and we will get into that. But first, let's get into the Grammys itself. The Grammys began for fairly superficial reasons. When the committee who decides on who deserves a star on the famous Hollywood Walk of Fame realized that the number of film and television figures to earn stars was far greater than music industry figures, they decided they needed to create an award show similar to the Academy Awards, but for music. And this was to ensure that anyone who deserved accolades or recognition on a grand scale would receive it. 
And so that's the whole thing. The Grammys exist because, you know, like, why would an actor get a star on the Walk of Fame? Well, they won an Oscar. They deserve one. If you're a musician, there wasn't any kind of award to signify that you were big enough to get that. Thus, the Grammys were born. They needed to get in on the circle jerk. Yes, they need they, you know, because who wouldn't want their name forever ingrained into the sidewalk of beautiful Hollywood, California, uh, you know, where just a mere 50 years, 60 years, 70 years later, it would be covered in the piss, spit and shit of just about every kind of street varmint, including myself, uh, that you could think of. And uh, but well, that, still, re- that represents all the, the people that didn't make it. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's our stars. Every time yeah. you take a pee on Hollywood Boulevard, you're kind of putting your own star down. Yeah. That, that's mm-hmm. nice. I like that. All right. So as the years went on, the Grammy served as a place marker to show current trends in music and the recording industry. New categories were introduced as needed, and the Grammys really became a glimpse into what was happening in music at the current moment. But that reputation would not last. Now, there was a huge change in music in the early 1980s with the birth of MTV. MTV became the number one source for young people to find new music. This platform introduced a whole generation and their elders to new bands and new styles of music that bigwigs at the Grammys would have never imagined would grace their stage. But by 1988-89, again, it's this weird thing where the category was created in 88, the ceremony happened in 89. But... You know, the times were changing, and the Grammys attempted to make history by introducing more award categories, including two for new-ish genres of music that had become vastly popular. And while the Grammy Awards made a valiant effort to keep up with the times, they were about to make one of the most misinformed and controversial decisions in the history of the award show. Right. But, you know, what's funny is, first off, there still isn't, a like, a punk category. Um, well, punk music doesn't deserve a fucking Grammy. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm not like talking about like, no, like, I mean, Wu-Tang's kind of punk. Like, don't play that shit. If you're talking three court, like, real, I mean, t- but come on the, cl- yeah. like, say the clash. Okay. I mean, all right. If the, if the clash or the Ramones and we're talking just huge tier, Pet but Cemetery I mean, if you're, by the Ramones if you're is one of the greatest songs of all time. You're right. If your band's shirt is, you know, can be sold, you know, at fucking Walmart, I feel like you can have a category for the Grammy, right? Right. Well, you yeah. know, and and all I'm saying is it's just funny to like try and keep up with the times, but I, you could argue that punk sort of didn't have the same commercial success until the nineties. And so yes. it was more about the fads and trends. Whereas punk was still punk. In, yeah. In the eighties, you had hair metal that was kind of in part becoming this huge thing. And I mean, you did have some legitimately, huge you had these stadium metal acts and punk bands usually uh broke up because of their principles or they died of drug overdoses <laughs> um and so you didn't aside from say the clash you didn't really have stadium era punk bands you know right you didn't have bands feeling that they were still playing in basements and pool halls and shit. Well, and with the hair metal thing in the 80s is a lot like there were Grammy award winning hair metal bands, but they were thrown into the rock category or even sometimes the pop category because right. it was glitzier, glamier, uh, more fun. But there was, I mean, MTV, you know, Headbangers Ball. It wasn't just that. Like you had bands like Metallica coming up and Slayer and Anthrax and Pantera and, and like gnarlier stuff that that was, you know, becoming bigger that 
didn't have mainstream appeal, but definitely had wide appeal, you know, like mass appeal. You know what I mean? Like it, it's right. not going to be at the Grammys, but just as many people are buying these albums that they are anyone that would be at the Grammys. And that's when the Academy those, like, recognizes it. Right. Because I think, what was it, 84, there was that Monsters of Rock Festival and you have Metallica, you know, playing on it. And yeah. uh, short, you know, shortly after this Grammy, I mean, Metallica would do that other show in Russia for half a million uh, yeah, people, a gajillion people, which I think was also like a, a Monsters of Rock festival. Um, well, and there was like the big four, right? Where it was like, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, Slayer, Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, Anthrax, Megadeth. Yep. And so they were it was like, yeah, it compared to the numbers of selling of records of punk much right much bigger you know yeah and you know they were like they were down to accept the fame and the money and all that stuff it wasn't selling out to be the biggest metal band in the world it would have been seen as selling out to be the biggest punk band in the world it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be i would say until the green day blink 182 era and it would yes. be re it'd be really funny if they just had skipped punk and then just made an award for best pop punk yeah and just completely <laughs> yeah no yeah anyway. yeah yeah so hard uh, rock metal so that's like your brief on on the Grammys and how they got to the point. MTV is really to blame for them creating these these new categories, particularly the hard rock slash metal uh, performance, vocal or instrumental. So before we go any further, it is prudent that we discuss the what should be arguably considered a prog rock band, Jethro Tull. And Jethro Tull is a British band that was formed in 1967. The band has gone through a long list of musicians in their highly successful career, but is always centered around founder, lead composer, flautist, and vocalist Ian Anderson. Let's just say it now. This is a rock band, like kind of with some kind of 70s heavy metal elements, like like you know some Sabbath style riffage, uh, per yeah. se. But there's a flute, and that is there's the defining characteristic of Jethro Tull. Um, which is yeah, which is prog as fuck. Yeah, prog is. Prog. And for those because that don't know what prog rock is, it's progressive rock, meaning that these guys are really trying to show off their musical prowess and technic like technical ability and uh that's not for everyone like yeah. like it's just like and, all over the place and in the 70s that also meant you were taking a lot of drugs and trying to take your audience to the renaissance fair, fair. take them to this <laughs> I'm i down. think that's why i think that's why the flute works is you know one minute you're on top of the castle you know, courting the the fair lady with the flute, and then the next minute the dragon comes and yeah. the, and the heavy riffs. <laughs> right, that's but my impression now, of Jethro Tull. But now it feels that Prague to me is this funny, or it's just it's it's almost become unshortened. And now you hear people say progressive a lot. Yes. And 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 they're like, I'm just like into a band, like a progressive band, you know, something like that's kind of like a progressive edge to it. Also, and you people never quite use know what it means. People yeah, are using the word psychedelic in place of progressive because they don't want to sound like a nerd. So, yeah. it, you know what I mean? Like, right. it, like if you didn't want to say you're in a rock and roll band, you'd say you're in a punk band. If you don't want to say you're in a progressive band, you say you're in a psych band. But psych, we all know what yeah. the fucking deal is here. Right. And I guess now there's also, I think, I guess the band Tool kind of. That that's to some me prog. Is what, that's what I, because they have these 14 minute long songs. and But it still is heavy it's very loud distorted guitars but uh it takes you on a journey and right that's the, that's the progression 
and like also a, another word that people will use for yeah journey uh yeah i'm not going but um is uh math rock is like another like common like present day thing where like it's like oh yeah it's like a math rock band all that means is incredibly complicated time signatures and that's prog rock um you know uh, yeah so, that, they so. definitely sh math rock and prog share the uh they share that the seven extre nine extreme technicality i would still argue that prog has that sense of a journey and math rock kind of is punch it's like aggressively beating the shit out of you with their technicality yes exactly and you probably won't fly find flutes in math rock no <laughs> yeah you, you're, you're right and so jethro told they used like you said all sorts of mythical and cosmic imagery you know lots of dragons and that, with them though it really has to do a with their british roots like just like the folklore that they grew up hearing and also the flute like you can't like that's some fucking king arthur shit right there king arthur core yeah. You know, like, like, dude, there, there, there's a metal band in King Arthur's Court, and it's Jethro Tull. Um, yes. But the song that the band is best known for is Aqualung. <laughs> Now, Aqualung, uh, I didn't. I think my first exposure to that was in Anchorman. I was gonna say that. <laughs> I think that that they do an extended tribute. Uh, he Will Ferrell's playing trib flute flute on the trib flute. Jesus, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he he kind of breaks into Aqualung for a second in a jazzy rendition. I thought I was like, oh, cool, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, they did uh, that. It, you know, and. Jethro Tull's music is it's old man metal like okay this is the kind of guy like one of those cabbie hats like first of all every Jethro Tull fan looks like the guy that wrote Game of Thrones um, <laughs> right and yeah and he <laughs> but they also, wear leather sandals and they might have like a yin yang that's also like a blazing sun on the back of their calf <laughs> they might play with devil sticks um, they drink mead. Okay, they tuck in their shirts into their cargo shorts, and they wear like a Stetson hat, even though they're wearing like a T-shirt, and they drink mead. <laughs> That's a Jethro Tull thing. Sit back with a pipe. I also <laughs> think that if you if you look if you look at I'm sure I'm looking up uh, Homeboy's age uh, right now. He's 74, so he's 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 the same age as all the other guys. But if you look at pictures of Jethro Tull from the 70s, Ian Anderson looked old. <laughs> Yeah. Back in his prime. Merlin. So he, yeah. Yeah. He just was always looking old. I'm looking at a picture of him now. He's got, yeah, this, I mean, it kind of looks like a do-rag. I feel like there's probably a better way to say that. Um, and a just <laughs> a wizard very, rena very renaissance vest. But I don't know. I don't know what else the thing is on vest, his head is. Dude, they are vest rock for sure. Vest rock. And he uh, has this like very tight cap. Very they, tight. Um, I don't know what's going on there. He, he also like if you go to the Jethro Tull official website, uh, there's some there's like a section called the attic, which is just like stuff he likes. And he has like a guide to like curry and like it, it's like bizarre. It's like it's like Ian Anderson's like best curry recipes <laughs> and shit. Nice. Yeah, it's totally fucking bizarre. But anyways, Aqualung. But by 1989, the band, you know, by then considered to be a staple of what would soon be referred to as classic rock, released their album Crest of the Nave. Or Crest of Nave. I'm sorry, not the Nave. Crest of Nave. And the Which album included 
all of the classic elements of Jethro Tull with the unmistakable characteristics of 1980s music production. Take, for instance, the song Steel Monkey. Steel Monkey. Uh, that's I, that's the opening song. And they had a music album. video for it. That's another funny thing about these classic rock bands that made it through the MTV era. It's like, they're like, oh, we have to fucking do music videos now. So right. now you have like fucking weirdo Ian Anderson in like music videos. We're looking old as fuck. Yeah. And there's going to be some other um, nominees this year that I watched some of their videos. And um, also, I mean, Crest of Knave just sounds extremely just i feel like sa- using the saying nave is like a very nave? Prog yeah. kind of like thing to say you know yes and i mean see jethro Tull though they could be considered to be like a predecessor of like fantasy metal which is mm-hmm. incredible if you guys aren't familiar with that stuff very like nerdy. whoa yeah, yeah. A, um, a knave a knave by the way is it's in a, a dishonest or an unscrupulous man or it can also be referred to <laughs> as knave? The, yeah it can be referred to the jack in the in a deck of cards oh my so either oh, way the jester it either way it goes well with drinking mead <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's like beer from honey yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's so funny, too. Right before we were, uh, started recording, I just restarted Skyrim. And, uh, and I can't I, help you there. And I've, and I've just, <laughs> yeah, so I was like, fi- I was like fending off a dragon and like mm-hmm. defending myself against frost spider venom using like Alto wine and stuff. Right. And now here it, I am talking about Jethro Tull. Maybe I'm would, the guy that I'm just <laughs> describing. Yeah. This would also be something maybe if you, you know, you're in your free time, you're studying Latin. You know, you're brushing up on your your Latin phrases or something. You leave like a passive aggressive note to your roommate about the dishes, but it's like in calligraphy. (laughs) It's like, please, Doth, do the dishes. It's it's esoteric signage. Um, I mean, tarot tarot's having a huge comeback, or maybe it never went anywhere. But uh, the other thing I will say about Toll is that there's just a fairly fascinating. I I'm very into the 60s 70s music and there is this fascinating crashing wave that the 80s came and really rocked a lot of these bands shit um (laughs) yeah dylan neil young um it didn't translate zeppelin was not a band in the 80s but if you look up uh any of robert plant or jimmy oh yeah ventures they're so incredibly 80s because it felt like i guess the 70s things were sort of progressing from these 60s ideas and they were kind of growing from it but then with the 80s with hip-hop new wave punk all these new production ideas mtv it suddenly the progression wasn't very natural anymore and it felt like these legacy acts had to play catch up and you suddenly have and that's what this album is is it has these these tullian yeah. elements <laughs> but it has this very fucking 80 the gated drum sound which y- 
you all right. know. I mean, and, it's and you know, the joke is artificial effects. Yes, and like and like the guitar and everything. Like, like they were trying to make every band that wasn't like heavy sound like fucking like U two or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like and you know all the jokes about well, you know that's the way that band sound when you spill so much cocaine into the mixing board. Like it right. all just mm-hmm. comes out like that. So yeah. let's get to it. The day of infamy. Well, somehow, against all odds, and surely the better judgment of the Grammy Academy, this album would be nominated for the newly founded category Best Hard Rock Slash Metal Performance, Vocal or Instrumental, that album being Crest of Knave. Uh, This was the 31st Grammy Awards, and uh, it was the first time for this category, but another new category that was introduced that year was Best Rap for Performance. So this was the first, like, heavy fucking rock, you know, and fucking metal shit, plus first rap. Will Smith won uh, for Parents Just Don't Understand uh, mm. for, for the very first rap Grammy. Um, and, you know, next year that would be changed to solo rap performance and then an additional category for best rap duo or group performance because um, right. it's like, hey, it's not fair that, you know, this group with like four guys beat me when I'm just one. But it's like, mm-hmm. stop complaining. Yeah. But uh, Yeah, definitely. But So, so, so I mean, change how- that. How I mean, I mean I'm I'm on the side that the Grammys are out of touch, but I guess they they still you know they they squeaked in by the '80s. They had acknowledged rap, but but it's fair to say I mean that's you're looking at like a few years. It took ten off. years. To, it's a few years off, at yeah. least with hip hop, maybe mainstream. You know, I mean there were really big rap hits in the early '80s, um, but. Then yeah, the the metal thing. I mean, we're we're definitely off by a few years in terms of right. these categories occurring. It it had become like like they were unable to ignore it. At, like at this point, you know what I mean. Right. Th- there was no continuing on with the show as it was with these two genres of music dominating the charts and dominating sales. You know, yeah. it would it would have seemed intentional. Um, but keep in mind though that the very next year after the very first rap one, they broke it into two categories. That's going to come up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with many new kinds of music and bands gaining global exposure, it made sense that new categories for awards were created. It seemed as though the Academy was doing its darndest to stay fresh and metalheads and music fans in general were elated to see the award show expand into new territory. But this excitement would be short-lived. The other nominees for this award, the you know best uh, <laughs> hard rock slash metal performance, was Iggy Pop for Cold Metal, ACDC for Blow Up Your Video, Jane's Addiction for Nothing Shocking, and most importantly of all, it was Metallica for Injustice for All. Now, these are all bands and artists that could 100% belong in this category. Right. Yes, but it's also, yeah, especially because it's hard rock. Right, that's um, the, that's the saving grace. I I did a I did a little dive on all the other nominated artists and I will say the Iggy Pop song is really funny because if you know anything about Iggy Pop, I mean he kind of his time was really the 70s, not in the way that Toll was, right. Jeff Toll was, but he kind of lost he, I think he could have transitioned, but he just did an insane amount of drugs. 
Um, <laughs> and I mean, I'm sure there are those people out there that really appreciate. They, you know, actually some of his 80s stuff is kind of good. It's not bad. But if you, I mean, this is by far not the kind of Iggy Pop I want to listen to. From the mall to the prisons, cold metal. When I start my band, cold metal. In my garbage can, cold metal. Yeah. And it's funny because he also did a video for this song, Cold Metal, and he looks fucking out of his mind, but like in not the like. <laughs> intentional way so it's like i feel like he did so many drugs he caught up with all the 60s guys and was already sort of i mean he was right. still kind of cool because he was iggy pop well, he's, and iggy pop yeah, he's always cool he's cool. a cult figure yeah he's like, fucking iggy know. pop yeah but his brushes with the mainstream mtv are not his best music and it is very funny to watch the videos because you can you can get high just watching his videos you feel like right. the contact now the Smell acdc it. was funny because I listened to that and I was just like, holy shit, they have success. They've like wrote this one song and then they've successfully just rewrote that song for like 15 <laughs> years. They just they figured out they have their ACDC formula. So I was like, yeah, I was like, this is. Not bad, and because it sounds like because the, it sounds it like sound that much different from the ACDC in the seventies. Now Jane's Addiction, that's like some pretty new shit. I would say it was really between Jane's Addiction and Metallica. Like, for those, my money. Those, that should have really been the two that this was about, you know? And then, of course, Metallica. But now this Metallica album is interesting because it was the one made after their first bassist, Cliff Burton's death. And it is still considered in their four classic metal albums. But I would say that And Justice for All is the most hardcore for the most hardcore of their fans because Metallica was kind of becoming a prog metal band and all the songs on this album are like nine or ten minutes long yeah and they're extremely complicated and they've always been like they've always had long songs and been about the shredding but there's not really as much of a like master of puppets kind of appeal to it or even like seek and yeah. destroy which has these kind of hooks i know that the song one is kind of a a, fa a fan favorite but it's very it's like a intense fucking album and it is very, right but very it's also metal. easily the heaviest one out of all of these uh, right. out of all the nominees this is the fucking metal album <laughs> everything else is hard rock you know exactly like yeah. that, that like that's that's really how to break it down um so yeah it's between iggy pop acdc jane's addiction metallica and Jethro Tull. <laughs> and right. That's the whole that's the whole deal. So 
At the 31st Grammy Awards, which was held in Los Angeles' Shrine Auditorium, Metallica became the first heavy metal band to perform at the awards show. And the performance, along with the announcement of the new award category, seemed to imply that Metallica was going to win. If not, certainly it would have been any of the other nominees over Jethro Tull. Because again, and it this was mm-hmm. shaping up to be Metallica's big thing. Like so much so that like it was like it was almost guaranteed. You know what I mean? Like people were preparing their statements about how Metallica won their first Grammy and how it was the first metal Grammy. Like this right. was like a locked and loaded thing. Like when you hear a celebrities in the hospital and every news person starts writing up the obituary just in case, that's mm-hmm. what's happening with Meta- with Metallica's right. Grammy it's situation. Like if you if you go back in time and 2020 you know you would have given toll their grammy in the 70s and then you would have given metallica the grammy you know maybe a year or two before for master of puppets or ride the lightning and then you would have given jane's addiction the grammy for this year right but but again that's kind of what people's that's sort of the thing is and obviously you can look back and make these calls but that is sort of why people have these opinions about the Grammys and say that they're always kind of playing catch up and right. they're not really the trend setters. They're just reacting to the trends. Yeah. The Grammys really more like main stage and I'm definitely more of like a tent guy, you know, yeah. like just some festival oh, yeah. talk for you. I'm just like, um, after, I'm just like the free after party. Guy, yeah. Like know? I'm like, like the dub. Free, I'm, I'm the like the base lab show. person. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that catches the mm-hmm. DJs with the art installation. For sure. For sure. So when the category was announced at the award ceremony, two icons of hard rock slash metal were introduced to the stage, Alice Cooper and Lita Ford, both of whom could have been nominated and won this award at many points in their career. Metalheads around the country gathered around their television sets in hopes of seeing metal history, which they did, but not the history that they wanted. Kind of like, uh, (laughs) this is an awful comparison, and I'm not saying the two are similar, but it's kind of like when everyone's watching the Challenger ship launch, to, mm-hmm. Because they're going to send a civilian into space, but then it explodes, and it's like yeah. you did. You, you did see history be made. Uh, so, Not the one uh, you wanted. yes, exactly. You don't always get what, what you want. So, we're going to play the sample really quick. This is Alice Cooper and Lita Ford announcing the nominees and the winner. They wouldn't let me bring the real one. Right. And the winner is Crest of a Knave, Jethro Tull. So we'll accept this and divvy it up backstage. Thank you. you can hear it. Like you, you can hear Lita Ford. Like her instant reaction is "Oh!" when he when yeah. he reads it. Like and, and you hear everyone start laughing in the crowd just for like a split mm-hmm. second. Like yeah. and then and then of course the video cuts. So after announcing the winner, a visibly shook Alice Cooper and Lita Ford accepted the award on the band's behalf because they were not in attendance. Mm-hmm. And the reason why the Barons of Flute Corps did not attend the ceremony was because their own record label told them there was no way they were going to win and they wouldn't yeah. even put up the money to fly them out. Yeah, or I think that they I think it was also they just convinced them they said it's going to be embarrassing for you to show up even to assume you might win. Yeah. So don't so don't even show up. Well, whose egg was the face or whose face was the egg on uh, after that, huh? The record execs, what do they know? Right. But 
I, I just love that though. And they also Jethro Tull was recording another album. Uh, maybe they were trying to snag that nomination the following year. And uh, they're like, look, we're not going to win this time. But now that we know what we're up against, let's really record something that rips to win this next year. But they were like, okay, great. We don't have to go to this fucking thing that we're not going to win anyways. Like it's best ha- like hard rock slash metal. We're Jethro Tull. We're up against Metallica. It's over. And so they didn't even bother showing up. And so then on top of fucking Alice Cooper ha- and Lita Ford having to be like, well, they're not here, so we're going to accept this on their behalf. You know, blah, blah, blah. It's like they have to accept the most disappointing award in, like, rock and roll history. Right, like them, right. themselves. So the yeah. idea of Jethro Tull winning the first hard rock slash metal Grammy over Metallica or any of the other nominees, for that matter, was so ridiculous that at the ceremony rehearsal, Alice Cooper was given a fake envelope to open and announce from, which had Jethro Tull listed as the winner as a goof. Like, it was like a prop envelope, and they're like, they just wrote in Jethro Tull because they're like, yeah, like he's going to win. And it was like the big joke. Right. So when Alice Cooper, this is from the mouth of the horse. Alice Cooper said this in an interview with uh, Loudwire, I believe. When he opened up the real envelope, he claimed that there was a split second of worry because he thought that he had taken the joke envelope with him on stage and forgot the, oh the actual one. Uh, but <laughs> then he quickly realized that Jethro Tull actually won, and then booze and laughter rang out from the crowd, and the Academy, who selects the winners, instantly lost most of, if not all, credibility to hard rock and metal enthusiasts and artists. That yeah. was the nail in the coffin. Like after that, it's like cool music would win and there'd be great Grammy moments, but mm-hmm. no one's like no like diehard metalhead or hard rock fan or even rap fan for that matter is looking, you know, and being like like yeah, this like this is bullshit. You know what I mean? I mean it, it's yeah, it's a, I mean it's a huge institution. I mean, it's definitely something that when I was very, you know, young and, you know, middle school, I thought, "Oh, cool, like I want to know who's winning the Grammys because I hadn't necessarily found my way to how to discover new music. So, right. you know, it's great for the middle schooler who's also, you know, you're you're looking at the Rolling, you know, Rolling Stone 100 best album type of thing and I'm not knocking that, I'm just saying that. No, yeah, it's it, important to listen know, to the standards and to the biggest stuff that's happening, you know yeah. what I mean? Just as important it is to listen to the really cool shit that no one knows about. Right. Oh, correction. Okay. Sorry, correction. It's crest of a nave. Crest of a nave. So, kind of having a realization about now, but it's probably so. If a nave is this dishonest person, and it's like your crest is like your you're wearing. It's. It, I mean, again, it's kind of like this very medieval insult. Yeah. I think like you you bear the crest of a nave. <laughs> like like you. You're giving me the vibe that you're a fucking liar. You also are giving me the vibe that you are a motherfucker. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, dude. But also, um, there I and I read that there was some disappointment too with Will Smith winning the first rap category, considering that like bands like pop like you know, groups well, that had an impact it. on like societal things were yeah. you know, not not winning the very first rap Grammy when like, you know, NWA, public enemy, even you like had, you know, all these yeah. other artists had done I so mean, much, you know. Even the nominees you had Wild Wild West by cool mode d great fucking song going back to cali l cool j also great song and then you had push it salt and pepper yeah which amazing. again i mean all objectively better than uh, parents don't understand and always but again it's always easy to to look back and you know i'm not on the fucking grammy board or whatever but i also think that my other theory about it is that sometimes what the grammys does is they play catch up and they will award an artist who they 
missed out on the first time you know yeah. and and so then they're like oh we fucked up and we maybe we should have given jethro toll an album when they released or a grammy when they released <laughs> Aqualung. Aqualung. you know because i mean for, for whatever it is it is you know that was the classic rock staple that's what everyone knows right. jethro toll from i don't think many people know them from this album and maybe well, like they do Iggy they Pop, would know, you know it. he, he should right. have been nominated for fucking you know give what, it for what? lust for life or give the stooges a grammy yeah. but instead they'll either wait they'll either do one thing where they'll wait you know 50 fucking years to give them like some lifetime, lifetime achievement, achievement award, yeah or they wait like 20 years and they award their mediocre comeback <laughs> album right um a really big example of this that kind of actually worked was that Santana album Supernatural. Oh yeah. Now to be fair, that was a massive success and the Smooth and Maria Maria uh were huge songs, but it also was like the Grammys were like, "Oh shit, we all know who's winning this year because it's like we definitely didn't give Santana his Grammy back in the day and now he's actually on the radio again." So, yeah. Santana's going to sweep the charts. And of yeah, course, it that, was a big with that hunk from Matchbox Twenty, right? And it was a big, it was a big song, and I fucking love that song still. But you know, it's also <laughs> not—I don't know—you get what I'm saying here. Yeah, we Parks just really wanted to plug "Smooth" by uh, Carlos Santana. I just—if you—if you for some reason <laughs> don't have social media and haven't seen five million memes, memes about, about it, "Smooth." If you haven't had enough about "Smooth," uh, God bless your soul for that. If you yeah. haven't, so. The win was such a surprise that Metallica's record label had pre-printed over 10,000 new one-sheets for record stores, labeling the band as Grammy-winning. <laughs> like, they were, Damn. like, th there was a big campaign ready to relaunch the album, relabel it. Now the Grammy Award-winning album, Grammy Award-winning artist. There was all this press lined up. And then Jethro Tull, they soon realized that their winning was so poorly received uh, because major publications voiced their outrage at the ignorance of the Academy. Like, they would just, like, they, they would look at the newspaper the next day and it's like, Jethro who? Or, like, right. a headline mm -hmm. where it's like, now defunct band Jethro Tull wins, you know, an astonishing fucking upset. Like, you know, words like that were used in all these headlines. Right. In and every th music publication, so they were like, "Ah, oh, shit, man!" Like, and, and then, and then, but then, I mean, Tull had a sense of humor about it, and after they won, they won. <laughs> after, of course, yeah, it's easy to do that. Um, it's kind of reminds me of when Macklemore won the best rap, and then he like text, and it was like the same year that Kendrick Lamar's "Good Kid, Mad City" came out, right. and then Macklemore texted Kendrick Lamar, being like, "Yo, man, you should have won," and then he like screenshot the text. And like put it on his Instagram, <laughs> like hadn't even received a response, but just like, dude, you should have won. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so the band's Jethro Tull's label, Chrysalis, they took out an advertisement in like a British newspaper after saying the flute is a heavy metal instrument. Oh, my God. So they're like acknowledging the flute. And then I want to say the follow up album to Crest of a Knave is an album called Rock island <laughs> and, take me there and the album cover is a hand coming out of the ocean holding a flute so wow they really pushed the flute on I, you but yeah 
I mean, that was their thing. It's like, I mean, if you really want to get into it. He should have melted his Grammy down and made it into a made flute. It a flute. <laughs> and then played the brown note and made every all the haters shit themselves. That would have been very Kanye That's some celebrity deathmatch style shit. Metallica, though, just for the record, they didn't really expect to win either. And they claimed that they were way more focused on performing and thought that that was the bigger deal. And they're like, there's no way that we'll win. It's just really cool that we're here to represent this category, you know, by play by performing. But they definitely didn't expect Jethro Tull to win either. So. You know, with all that being said, the Academy decided to change the category the following year and they introduced the category's best hard rock performance and then best metal performance, separating the two. So a band like Jethro Tull, which some could consider in some weird way to be hard rock, they wouldn't win over a band that definitely deserved to win the metal thing because they quickly realized that hard rock and metal are two different things. So, you know, yeah, that only that only took them a year. I'm surprised they didn't do that in like 2005 when everyone stopped giving a shit about metal. Right, but I guess again, it's, you know, they're re- they're moving the needle based on the outrage. And so Yeah. If if a few people are grumbling the Grammys are out of touch, it's one thing, but if suddenly everyone's like fucking Jethro Tull just beat Metallica, what the fuck is going on with the Grammys? Obviously, someone's got to get together and have some boardroom meetings and figure something out quickly. And then it's funny because then you have hard rock, which I mean, the category hard rock is like a really funny. Yeah, totally. It's like, well, this is rock. This rock isn't hard rock. Like, I'm so glad that rock is hard now. You know, like I'm so (laughs) I'm rock hard now. (laughs) Rock hard. And then it's just funny because then, you know, you're going to have grunge you know, two years later. And I mean, lots of grunge music could be considered hard rock because hard rock is this very, I mean, what the hell is hard rock? Yeah. Like, that's, what it's is anything it? like gnarlier than the Eagles? Yeah. Like, like, like mean, if, it, if it's gnarlier than the Eagles, yeah, we'll put it into hard rock. If it's like the Eagles are less, we'll keep it in rock. <laughs> like, uh, that's yeah. like what I mean, I'm thinking. <laughs> It's like it's like the it's like the Beavis and Butthead, I guess, where you can like things that aren't exclusively metal, but yeah, it can't get too it can't get too soft, soft. you know. Yeah. And then what was that movie, um, Airheads? Kind of right. Like, there's that night the '90s, the head banging mosh pit guy, and I guess as punk kind of had a mainstream moment, and then metal was having a mainstream moment, and grunge. Right. Then by yeah, there really was this hard rock. You know, I feel There's like the interlay. Stone Temple Pilots could maybe people yeah. for some reason people don't want to call them grunge, but maybe they were like a hard rock band. Yeah, um, I, I mean, you know, well, also then well then we start treading uh, into butt rock territory, but right. that goes back to the Patreon episode that we were talking about. Um, but there's another kind of funny thing to think about with with all this, like. With the Academy, which I'm assuming, like, I'm sure there were some young folks in it in the 80s, but I'm guessing it's, like, just these industry bigwigs that have been in the business forever, generally older folks, definitely not the MTV crowd, definitely not the hard rock slash metal crowd, and they're there with their, like, you know, sample CDs, like their screeners, if you will, and, like, having to listen to all this, like, just like, oh, God, like, shaking their headphones mm. off, like, when they put on Injustice right. for All and, like, Jane's Addiction. The only thing they could, like, barely muster themselves up to listen to is the Jethro Tull album. So they're like, oh, God, this one. This is the it, best one. All this makes, other stuff. It makes the Academy definitely seem very old. 
bunch of powdered wigs. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. like what? This is metal. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. So, uh, the next year, Metallica won best metal performance for one, uh, big, big surprise. And then they would go on to win the next two Grammys for the next two years for best metal performance. And in 1992, Lars Ulrich, the drummer of Metallica, uh, when he went up to accept the award, he said this. Um, let's see. I think the first thing we got to do is obviously, like you guys were expecting, is we got to thank Jethro Tull for not putting out an album this year, right? <laughs> And also, obviously, we got to thank the Academy for uh, giving Jethro Tull the award in 1989. Read between the lines, know what I mean? <laughs> so everyone knew it was a joke. That, like, I mean, Jethro Tull, like, honestly, like, yeah, I'm sure they're drying their tears with their Grammy, you know. But it's just funny that even years later is, like, such a fucking joke that Jethro Tull beat Metallica for best right. metal. Yeah, and, and, and I mean... And that's yeah. the whole thing. And it's also, I mean, because Metallica was in the midst of this huge ascension from this beloved right because then they kind of went hard rock to yeah actually i mean okay now that we're getting into it i think the black album that that's hard that rock is, dude it rocks that hard. is hard rock because they slowed it down just a little and then they had that inner sandman where it's you got that hook right so it has this radio friendly thing the song isn't 10 minutes long they went away from the progressive and they just slowed it down, got a little bluesy, get a yeah. little bluesy. Rocks hard, dude. It's hard and then rock. The rocks hard. You got that <laughs> album cover, it's just black, dude, and there's a snake. Yeah, like, I, like fucking as if Spinal Tap literally didn't make a joke about that. Um, you know, but that's that's neither here nor there. So what does it all mean? Well, and again, this is just it, this is a very pretentious episode. It's very easy uh, for us cool guys to be like, oh, the Grammys. Uh, and I don't want to come off that like, like that too much. But to me, what this all means is it means that mainstream award shows do not necessarily reflect the impact the nominees actually have on the music industry or its fan. Rather, the awards seem to be given out to those artists who perpetuate the image the industry has always tried to maintain. And it's easy to look at the Grammys as being out of touch because the Grammys are out of touch. While history continues to be made via award shows, it does little to push innovation and originality, and that's okay because you shouldn't be looking to primetime A-list award shows for tips on cool new music anyways, but rather a way to keep up with your old standbys. And that's what it all means to me. The yeah. very first best hard rock slash metal performance, vocal or instrumental. <laughs> that's a great sum summary. And, uh, Again, like we plugged at the start of the episode, we will be releasing a Patreon that is going to be called Butt Rock Volume 1, uh, the the post-hair metal pre-grunge years, and a lot of that centers on rock music made in the late 80s, 88, uh, 89, that era where there was sort of this transition. And so if you want to hear us get even more pretentious and make fun of more bands... <laughs> subscribe to our patreon we, where we dude. we also show how fucking nerdy we are to know these bands because but we also, also kind i like of a lot it. of the butt rock bands yeah. yeah and i and that's what we show in the thing and uh i think it might it could become a series a butt rock series because there's a couple prominent eras in which butt rock sort of sticks its ass up into the uh into the mainstream it, it it never goes away and butts come in all shapes and sizes so they can all rock um also real quick though before we go i i 
thought about this while we were talking about how Jethro Tull has this like kind of medieval element. There's a kind of fantasy Tolkien-esque thing with prog bands. Um, a great example of that, which is in dump territory for sure. This was featured on VH1's 100 Most Shocking Moments in Rock and Roll. Um, you know, the thing we bring up all the time. So the keyboardist of the band Yes um, in the 70s, I believe it was, late 70s, he broke away from the band to stage um, the Knights of the Round Table on ice. And he was going to do all the music for it, and it was going to be this very elaborate, like almost like going to see Medieval Times but on an ice rink. And they had Mm -hmm. like fake horses that the guys would ice skate like wearing while they sword fought Mm -hmm. for for the damsel in distress. And, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, check that out, folks. Yes is – King Arthur on ice. It's it's out yeah. of control. Yeah, that so, is the that's kind of considered by some to be the pinnacle of the excesses of Prague. Yeah, like someone has Prague. to cut this guy off. Like, <laughs> yeah. like we like someone needs to cut these guys off. Like fuck, man. Yeah, it, it's insane. Uh, usually, we take the time here to tell you to follow us on Instagram at Culture Dumps and to send us emails uh, at Culture Dumps at Gmail dot com. But um, I really want to stress that how much it helps a show when you guys actually hit subscribe on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and even more so when you rate it, when you just go down, scroll to the bottom, just hit hit five stars, don't hit anything else. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and if you feel so inclined, leave a little review. That's the kind of stuff that turns you know this little show into a big show that then you could enjoy even more and in, in more ways. Um, and that that is what you can do to help us out very much. So make sure you rate and subscribe and all that good stuff. I'm Ryan Lichten. I've been joined by Parks Miller. Keep on dumping. <laughs>